Viewpoints is VHB's thought leadership platform, where we share insights on critical issues and emerging technologies in the AEC industry. I'm Mike Carragher, President and CEO of VHB. I'm excited to introduce VHB's thought leaders and our client and partner podcast participants, all future-focused thinkers who want to reimagine the built environment. I hope you'll tune in often and leave inspired. This is Dave Mahon, VHB's Chief Technology Officer. And today I'm joined by my VHB colleague and co-host Ryan Fetchko, a transportation technology engineer, for the second half of our conversation with Jennifer Foote. Jennifer is the Senior Vice President of Business Development with Beep, a company that provides the intelligence that enables safe, stress-free, eco-friendly, driverless mobility via autonomous vehicles. In our last conversation, we discussed how Beep operates in Yellowstone National Park, its passenger capacity, and AV shuttle technologies powered by 3D printing. Today, we'll dig deeper into the Operational Design Domain, or ODD, for autonomous vehicles and how Florida communities like Altamont Springs and Lake Nona are springboards for advancing AV technologies. Let's get started. So you guys use several different platforms to operate. It's kind of like you guys work to find what is the best shoe that fits the scenario to implement that scenario in place. Exactly, exactly. The, you know, the, the technologies that are out in the market right now are, are, are very similar, but there are a few nuances um, that can make them more appropriate for one use case over another. And so we really are looking for the best of breed in terms of solutions out there so that we can fit what our customers are really looking to achieve. I think it's an excellent approach. It allows kind of the options to be more dynamic in terms of fitting the solution. Um, And it's something that I think is going to be relatively important going forward as we start looking at how this technology is going to be intertwining inside of our communities, whether they're already pre-built and we're retrofitting our streets and roadways in the future for autonomy, or, you know, we're looking at new communities that are being constructed around the idea of autonomy. Yeah, you, you bring up a really interesting topic, Ryan, just about the idea of whether we're building up from, from Greenfield or whether we're retrofitting. And that's one of the things that I think is really a part of the work that you do that's really fascinating in enabling the, the autonomous technology. And our customers are asking a lot, what do they need to be thinking about in terms of making their environment AV ready? Um, and so I can share with them, obviously, um, the, the operational design domain, how things are um, configured in the vehicle that make them operate more ideally from one type of infrastructure to the other. But what are you hearing from your customers as it relates to that? And how do you incorporate that ODD into the work that you're doing? It's interesting because there's a lot that's um, really not completely understood yet when it comes to ODD and autonomy. Because there's different types of autonomy. There's different types of vehicles that we have to interface. And today, you know, we're, you and I, we're talking about these vehicles that are meant to transport passengers. Yes. But we also are going to have in the future robots on our sidewalks that are going to be delivering packages. And that's already in place in a lot of major cities. We're going to have, you know, full-size freight trucks driving along our principal arterials and highways that are going to be running in autonomous modes as well as robo-taxis driving around at full speed. At- You're right. There are a lot of questions in this, in the, um, in this space, right, in, in terms of what we all have. And we've, we've spent some time talking about this. Um, it's interesting when you think about 
uh, the Central Florida AV partnership and some of the things that we've seen through that seeing the freight logistics in the long haul and how they're doing it. And, and it, it does align, Jennifer, with what you're talking about, your remote control center for the last mile and how they bring the vehicles in. So that's, that's exciting. It, it was one of those questions that you sit there and go, we get asked all the time, what are the biggest challenges that we need to help municipalities with in preparation for the AV shuttles like BEEP? Um, some of the biggest challenges that we're seeing from the policy standpoint is really what policies are in place. Does the state legislation, because they do vary by state, does the state legislation actually accept and allow an automated vehicle on the road and with what constraints within the neighborhoods, because it does vary within local neighborhoods as well. Um, some of the biggest challenges on the design side is really the crossings with public streets. How does it interact with the general commuting public? Yeah, so these are some of the challenges that we've seen. I know, Ryan, that was one of the, the bigger challenges we've seen in the city of uh, Altamont Springs flex path uh, that VHP and, and BEEP were both looking at and helping and supporting is where the crossings go and how do, that, how do the vehicles actually traverse the crossings with the other vehicles in play. Yeah, there was a lot of information that was kind of disseminated into that singular project because it really was looking at how do we take some of this existing infrastructure that we've already got some of these existing challenges with the way that we move around, you know, kind of a, a really quickly growing urban environment, uh, as well as um, inside, you know, private parking lots and getting into front doors and, and navigating, uh, you know, heavy pedestrian areas and, and areas that vehicle movements aren't necessarily consistent. And how do we develop infrastructure and, you know, signage and lane marking and, um, you know, dedicated places for the shuttle to operate within these environments such that it can be done safely, but also efficiently, um, you know, less of a footprint, the better. And that was a, a, a critical thinking effort when it comes to, you know, taking our bike and ped safety experts, our roadway safety experts, um, a lot of our transportation engineers and putting our heads together and saying, what's the best fit solution? And then we went over and, you know, had a, had a good long discussion with Beep about this and said, we've got this scenario coming up. What are the challenges that you guys are seeing out in Lake Nona and your other operations that might lend and some answers to some of these complex questions when it comes to deciding our design characteristics for these facilities that we need in Altamont Springs? And that's what really kind of cued off this discussion about, well, we need to start thinking about operational design domain as a standard and start thinking about this infrastructure piece as a whole and how do these vehicles, uh, whether they're passenger vehicles, whether they're robo-taxis, whether they're shuttles, whether they're freight vehicles, what do they need to see and what do we need to do with the infrastructure to enable them to see? And that allowed us to really put together a discrete set of design criteria that we could lend to the project and develop out the actual design for this the shuttle system that we feel is uh, something that's beyond sufficient will carry forward into the future for all types of mobility, whether it's with a autonomous shuttle running on it, micro transit, uh, micro mobility solutions. Um, but it's a point to point situation for connecting a major commuter hub with a major employment center, as well as a major retail hub here in Altamont Springs. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's an interesting one, Dave, but it also has sparked up this, this general interest amongst the region, the, the members of the CFAVP, uh, and, and not only out there, but also kind of on the West coast of Florida asking, how are you doing this? 
um, what's going into this and how is it going to be developed? So there's a lot of eyes on this project and we've had a lot of good thought into it. and It's developing out into something that's turning into a really, really great project. Take, take a scenario on this where you're based and you refer to a greenfield or a large master plan, master plan community. Um, when, when you're planning for the implementation of an autonomous shuttle, what infrastructure changes need to happen on this? And if so, how, how does the regulation, regulatory agencies um, need to be prepared to actually address some of those? Because, you know, in some cases you hear that um, the autonomous shuttle essentially does not need any other infrastructure outside the communications that you referred to. Um, but in some cases you're, you're hearing that there's a little bit additional services that are needed. It depends on how the community is designed. I'm a consultant at heart, so my favorite answer is going to be depends. But um, but I can I can help a little bit. So in order to fully realize um, the return on investment of an autonomous vehicle, you want that autonomous vehicle to be able to operate without a safety attendant on board. So if you're traversing an intersection, you're going to need to have roadside units and onboard units that can communicate with each other so the vehicle knows when it's safe to proceed through an intersection. Um, that's just one example of, of some things that need to happen. Um, vehicles for, for efficient operations, right now our vehicles are on pre-programmed paths and we program what's called a priority zone when it's approaching a a, a pedestrian crosswalk, for example. And so the vehicle knows at this set of coordinates along its path, it should widen the aperture and look a little bit wider out um, on either side of the road to see if maybe there's a pedestrian that's approaching the crosswalk. But, but for more efficient operations, what if we could signalize those pedestrian crosswalks um, and have those communicate with the vehicle so the vehicle will already know whether it has the right of way or not. It doesn't have to slow down and it's it's already equipped with sensing equipment. If somebody chooses to proceed without authorization, it'll stop, but at least it has the option to know, hey, I'm free to go. I don't have to slow down. Um, I can keep moving. So um, that type of infrastructure is going to be really important going forward, um, signalization and making sure that the, that the vehicle can know its place um, in traffic and, and how it's supposed to navigate. Um, you know, ideally we'll get to a point where these vehicles are able to operate um, in their, you know, in mixed traffic completely. Uh, at any speed. We're not there right now. So in some cases, having a dedicated lane or transit priority to keep the, the shuttle operating efficiently alongside other modes of transportation might be a consideration we would want to look at, depending on where we want to deploy it. Um, so there, there are, each case is different. Um, and the objectives of every deployment is different, and that's where you need a good planning partner like VHB and folks who really understand how the vehicles operate to make sure we're putting the ideal infrastructure in place for AV readiness. So it's, it's one of those questions that I've had for a while, um, and I'm going to tell a little story first, and then I'll come back to the question. Um, so over in Heathrow in London at the airport, they actually have the PRT system, the pods that are out there. So personal rapid transit. 
Um, the pods are essentially uh, point to point and they're on demand services, right? Uh, so basically a person can sit there, wait, click a button and the, and the vehicle shows up. How long through your research and development do you think it's going to be before the autonomous shuttle such as Beep would be um, doing a point to point to point on demand service? Yes, yeah, so we, we are doing point-to-point point now, um, and we have a capability through our rider app for uh, passengers to advise the shuttle that they're there at a stop waiting. Um, so we are not yet at the sophistication level where it would dispatch an additional vehicle uh, if there's high demand. I think we'll get there. You know, and- the real takeaway is that it's eminent, that it's coming, it's not a five to 10 years down the road, is that this is, is a real technology that will be point to point and uh, on demand in terms of dispatch, if, if you will, uh, in the near term future. So it's not. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that our, you know, door to door off of a predefined path is probably still a while away. I think the robo taxi use case is still a while away. There are too many variables. But the way they get, the way that we all get there is to take these use cases that are doable now and deploy them in a very safe and efficient way and learn from those use cases. The, um, and, and we learn then how to deploy the next more complex use case and the one after that and the one after that until we all are able to hail uh, an autonomous robo taxi to our front door and take it to the airport. That's the dream for all of us. That, that is the dream. Certainly signed us up for it. We're in. I can check my emails and drink my coffee safely while I'm on my commute to the airport. So Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and that brings up kind of an interesting point too, Dave, when, you know, when we're talking about Greenfield communities and, and the shapes of things and what they're going to look like in the future. I think there's also two, You mentioned the regulatory side, but I think that there's a policy side to this. There's a lot that has to take shape inside of development codes, inside of comprehensive plans still to start thinking about the effectiveness of the technology, not only from the standpoint of making an impact, but also enabling it. Um, And that's something that I think is going to come through, you know, it's going to be a long effort for that to happen. We know that regulation and policy doesn't move as fast as we'd like it to. Um, but also it doesn't move as fast as we like it to for a good reason. So that way we have enough time to vet and, and learn the technologies and those impacts. So that way we only have to hopefully do that regulation and policy once because every time we change it, it's a substantial impact. Uh, but the other thing that comes along with this is the public perception side, is, is the education component, helping others learn the effectiveness of the technology. And I think what you guys are doing at Lake Nona isn't, excellent effort. It's open to the public. You can go and ride it. Um, you can leave from Boxy Park, go off to the Canvas Restaurant, which is a beautiful restaurant if you've never been there. Um, but you learn a lot on the ride. You learn a lot, you know, just riding in the vehicles. It's it's a completely different feeling looking around the vehicle. There's no driver. This thing is running great. It's in line with traffic, stops at all the stop signs. Um, you know, it, it's an experience, but you start feeling comfortable in it. After the first ride, you start getting used to it and then you get used to the sounds. It's like this is no different than me taking a trolley that's on a fixed pathway or a guideway. Um, this thing is excellent. In fact, it's it's really interesting, you know, for me as an engineer to go to some of the conferences where they have the demonstrations 
and you go out and see these vehicles run on their fixed pass at the demonstrations when they're on that nice, freshly paved hotel parking lot at the convention center, and you see those tracks that it's been running over for the last two days. It's like, those are the tires from that shuttle. They have not deviated an inch from those tracks. Yeah. But this is not a fixed track device. They're that accurate in a lot of ways. And that only stands to say that they are pretty darn safe when it comes to actually riding them. Um, they're not going to do the crazy things that everybody <laughs> worries about they're going to do. But it's it's super interesting to see kind of this technology develop in the way that it has. And and it's it's awesome to have it, you know, right in our backyard here at Lake Nona to see the advancements, you know, go stop by once a month and see, you know, how much better it's getting. Because every time we ride it, it's always better. And I think it lends to your guys' experience and how much data you're able to put into the manufacturers through your operations and, and deployments. And I imagine through having the operators. We, we take that, that experience very seriously. We, we know that the only way the industry is going to move forward is if, it, if the technology is ad- adopted. Um, so for every deployment that we do, we spend a, a great deal of time with our customers um, with a, a public communications plan so folks understand what's happening. Um, we publicize it. We invite people to come out and ride. And, you know, there's some novelty aspect to it, but we're, we're servicing very real impactful use cases in every community that we go to. So um, I think one of the things that that made my heart smile most recently, we deployed um, a couple of shuttles out in Peoria, Arizona to a retirement community um, that gives them the opportunity to take the shuttle to their medical appointments. They were thrilled um, and committed to taking advantage of the opportunity to use this great mode of transportation to get them to and from their medical appointments, maybe to the pharmacy here and there. So, um, you know, while the technology is new and, and um, in some cases, as I said, a bit of a novelty, we're, we're providing really impactful solutions to real transportation needs wherever we go. Um, and allowing folks to experience it and educate them about what's coming um, to a greater degree in the future with autonomous travel. I'm glad you brought that up, Jennifer, because that's something that I've been learning over the past probably four or five years is the idea of healthy and smart communities. Um, And one aspect of that that I think drives that a little bit is our transportation options. And it's something that we've been looking at here at VHB uh, through the healthy and smart communities programs uh, and the likes of smart cities is how much of, a, of an impact do these transportation options actually have on the generalized health of the community? Does adequate access to transportation options change um, you know, the overall health of a, of a specific neighborhood or, or you know, a larger region? And we found in a lot of ways that sometimes it's a substantial, substantial impact. And just Knowing that you know there's rural communities that in the future will have options to access their health care that they would otherwise have to wait you know a long time for depend on somebody to give them a ride uh, because these vehicles will have the reach out to them, but also even in urban communities where there's very little transportation options or it's not maybe necessarily the best infrastructure for them to access or even transit deserts these places afford the opportunity for municipalities and cities and states and transit agencies to reach into those communities and get to those folks that need those transportation options. 
Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And one of the things I really enjoy about Lake Nona is they've done a lot of research on wellness and how transportation impacts wellness. That's one of the reasons why they've invested so heavily in multimodal transportation solutions. And they are building their entire mobility network to provide for uh, walking, biking, but also the shuttles, because we know there are going to be people who, even though they'd love to, just can't walk or bike. And so there's a very real place for autonomous vehicles and allowing folks to get the vital services and, and get to the lifestyle choices that, that improve their quality of life. Ryan, the part that I actually appreciate about that question is there's there's really two parts, right? The healthy portion of it and bringing the eco-friendly that Jennifer's so passionate about. You know, when you think about the electric vehicle and the progress that we've made with electrification is, is a whole different podcast uh, discussion, but it's made such advances in where it is um, to the point where, you know, the impacts on the environment and what it's doing is obviously having its impact uh, across the you know the globe eventually over time. Yeah, you know, the second part when you refer to um, the smart communities uh, aspect of this, the the part that um, the part about this that actually resonates with the smart communities is that it actually can fill that last mile connectivity with some of the transportation systems, whether it's the aviation side and I'm talking longer term, whether it's the bus services to get people to where they need to be and or whether it connects the trains and the planes and the automobile side of the house, right? So it's exciting to see um, another alternative form of mo uh, mode of transportation that's going to fill that gap longer term to actually help close that um, challenge that I think a lot of the agency partners have uh, throughout the, the United States as well. Exactly. And in the future, it's going to be a very dynamic and powerful tool uh, that we have to address some of the challenges that we've we've built ourselves into in a lot of areas of the nation um, by, you know, rethinking what it means to have access to transportation. Yeah, you know, that that whole topic of first and last mile goes back to, um, you know, the capacity question. Are we looking for bigger form factors? And it, it really does depend on that use case. And you know, where, where are we connecting to and from and, and how many people are looking to jump on there? We had a great use case. We were running in downtown Tampa and we had folks coming into the regional transportation uh, center there from bus rapid transit, um, jumping off of the buses and onto the shuttle to go to their final destination there along the Marion Street transit corridor. So just another excellent use case for these first and last mile solutions um, to make sure folks are able to get get where they need to go. So you've got that crystal ball back out that was really, really good last time. And, you, and you're looking forward 10 years. How many vehicles do you see Beep having on the road at that point? And how many different states are you operating in? Well, we are going to be operating in all 50 states and, and everywhere across the globe, for sure. My, I think we'll have hundreds, if not thousands of vehicles operating in the next few years, even. Um, and, you know, Ryan made a comment in the very beginning of the, the conversation that I want to circle back to. He said the sky's the limit. And that's true because we're, we're even now looking at heliports and um, or vertiports and autonomous um 
personal jets. And so I think the next 10 years is going back to, to my um, career in transformation, we're really going to see a true transformation in transportation, the likes of which we haven't seen since the invention of the motorized vehicle. So I'm looking forward to being a part of that and looking forward to, to partnering very closely with you guys to make those hundreds of thousands of vehicles on the road a reality. It, it is exciting times in the transportation world. Um, ironically, uh, you could go tune in to uh, the VHP podcast series one, which actually was on the Evital uh, vehicle. And we actually did an interview uh, with Lilium as part of that. So it is it is a uh, ever-changing transportation market uh, and where we're at. Uh, Ryan, I certainly appreciate you joining and, and co-hosting this. Uh, Jennifer, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, to have the conversation with you today. I hope you'll keep us informed on what uh, great advances that BEEP is taking uh, in the AV technologies and the new communities that you're planning on working and operating in, that you're making such a critical impact in the, in the future as well. Absolutely. Thank you. My pleasure. It's been a pleasure, Dave.